Institute in Washington, D.C., and he is, he was, or yeah, he is currently a 2020 champion of change for the Aspen Institute. Um, so Owen Oliver grew up on the Salish Sea, where he was able to learn traditions intertribally through the annual canoe journey. Once at the University of Washington, he has been focusing on Indigenous education through community engagement and empowerment. He understands the importance of higher education and the skill sets that Native students can bring to every academic setting, ensuring new ways that success is achieved and determined. He's able to achieve a few of these goals through the American Indian Studies Program and the undergraduate Native organization First Nations, where he works as the outreach chair. As a champion for change, Owen looks outside the Coast Salish region and he develops relationships that will lead to a better understanding of visibility, community work, um, and successes of Native students across North America. So, everyone, this is Owen. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Owen Oliver. Um, I come from the people of the Lower Columbia River. However, I'm enrolled Quinault, and thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm currently a third year at the University of Washington, um, studying American Indian Studies with a focus of Indigenous education. Hello. Yeah, so right now it's pretty crazy times um, with COVID-19. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you're from Washington, um, yep. but you're currently in Alaska. Can you... Share um, that whole journey or what happened. Yeah, and of course. So I'm currently in Clinkett Territory in southeast Alaska um, and in this little town called Ketchikan. It's a town with about 14,000 people and it's actually where my mom's from. Um, so my mom's family grew up here. Um, she's a second generation Alaskan and... Um, she started a gallery with my father, who's an artist, and every year we came up here to sell my father's work in the gallery. Um, so we rely a lot on tourism, but also a lot of, you know, fish to feed our family. Um, so I love coming up to Ketchikan every single year and super happy to be here right now. Um, it's a time where normally I'm not here because it's usually the summer. So it's really awesome to see all the flowers blooming and see the snow melt and just be outside as much as I can. Same like here in Texas or even um, when I had to leave D.C. with the whole COVID-19, I feel like the earth has just been flourishing and it's evident yeah. like 
you know, when you step outside just to go for a walk, everything just looks like a lot more rejuvenated. Yeah, no, definitely. I was just, uh, I was just hiking yesterday and just like hearing all the sounds of the birds and it's so awesome to hear the ravens, you know, follow me while I hike and you just hear them, hear them cackling and hear them hooting all around. I know. That's the one thing I noticed too, is like the birds, like you can just hear them so clearly now. Okay. So, um, you're a champion of change and like in the introduction, you do a lot with your people and your community and, um, just perpetuating your culture. Um, so yeah, like in your, when you were talking about how you're in Alaska and your family, um, it's, it's evident that it's like ingrained in who you are and how you've grown up. Um, Mm -hmm. can you talk about, what kind of community work you're involved in and maybe how growing up in the culture and in arts has really influenced you in doing the work that you do today? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so currently I'm just finishing up a report for um, an indigenous research family that I just facilitated and mentored um, through the Burke Museum of Natural History and Culture at the University of Washington. I work there as an indigenous educator um, under the mentorship of Sven Hawkinson. And we've been able to create this program that brings undergraduate native students into the museum and allow them to, you know, handle and research their ancestors' um, artifacts and treasures like up close. Um, So I'm currently just working on a report to compile all those reflections. and get it out to the public to show that natives are thriving at the University of Washington on their own accord, that we're all working together to build a better place for ourselves. And I think that comes out of my my love of sharing with everyone and being an educator. Um, my father was an educator at the University of Washington in American Indian Studies for 35 years. Um, he taught Native art design and wood carving. And always taught me that you should always have something to share with someone and you should always, you should always gift someone with your knowledge. And I feel as a student at the University of Washington is it's my duty and as a champion for change to help other native students that don't feel as empowered as I do. That's so beautiful. Honestly, (laughs) when I went to DC and I met all of you guys are just, briefly meeting you guys i was just so impressed by all of the work that you guys all do in within your guys nations and community and then um speaking of that can you like share with the audience what your experience was like and um how you got involved with champions of change and um how maybe meeting um those other champions has maybe influenced you and your work or just whatever yeah No, it's, I applied to be a champion for change on the, you know, on a reason that I was able to connect with other indigenous youth that were doing awesome things across North America too. Um, I often feel like I'm in a bubble when I'm working in Coast Salish and Northwest Coast regions. Um, And it's hard for me to connect with other, other people like intertribally, um, So I thought Champions for Change 
was a way to, I don't know, just get out there, learn more about opportunities, but also uplift other people's ideas. And that's, you know, tenfold now. It's, I'm seeing what everyone's doing and asking for advice and giving advice. And it's an awesome cohort of individuals that just have amazing ideas for Indian country. I feel you on that when it comes to um, feeling kind of siloed within your own community because, I mean, colonization and sometimes even technology um, can really displace people and natives from connecting back to, like, the land and their communities and yeah. cultures as as well it can, it, it can bring people together. But um, I feel you on that. Um yeah. That's why I'm so I'm so grateful to be up here in Ketchikan right now, um, because it's just a way for me to kind of disconnect um, and kind of just be back on the land, you know, and, you know, smell that cedar and listen to those birds and just share that same energy that I knew my ancestors had. Awesome. Well, what kind of things have you been doing since you've been back home, like, you know, with your family and since it's like yeah. quarantine time. Yeah, no. So um, definitely been reading a lot, but been trying to get outside every day. Um, I do a lot of trail running and hiking. So just been going up normal trails that I've, you know, known as a kid. And now that I'm a bit older, I can run up them. Um, and it's fun to go, you know, from my house and run up to a lake and sit by the lake and read for a little bit and have a little snack and run back. Um, up here is like the only place that I can like run without having music. When I run in the city, it's like, I have to have music, but here, you know, it's nature provides its own music and its own musical. Um, and it's something that I want to listen to. Mm -hmm. So I try to stay connected and put my phone down and just, rely on my watch and I know where I'm going. Um, it's a way that I just like to live in place and have that sense of place wherever I go around here. So you're also working remotely, right? For your job. Yeah. Uh huh. How is that? Um, or how did, has the whole COVID-19 been for you transitioning into working from home? Has it changed a lot or not really? Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. Um, I'm used to being, I'm used to being in the collections, um, the collections of the Burke Museum all the time. So it's kind of weird not being with those kind of treasures and artifacts of my ancestors. Um, I always made the joke every morning, I'd open up the doors of the collections and say good morning really loud and wake them up. <laughs> um, so it's kind of weird being away from that. But I have my computer and have just been working on some excerpts and stuff to enhance the Burke's mission of decolonization and how to increase visibility of Native students. Yeah, I love, I think what you're doing is important work. Um, I've gone to a few symposiums that is on like decolonizing museums and collections and, and things like that and uh -huh. i feel that um museums are 
I mean, in one way, it, it is like a place where, you know, a lot of natives artifacts and, and our belongings have been taken from us. But also, yeah. like, this is the world that we live in as Native mm-hmm. and Indigenous people is that we walk in these different realms. And the more that we infiltrate and, you know, create different futures for ourselves is the way that we're going to really liberate us and um, return Definitely. that sovereignty back to our stories. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I think that's really interesting. Like, how how did you even get involved it was just because you were going to college and like um somebody kind of let you know that this job opening was happening or no it was more I was interested in um my sister used to work at the Burke a long time ago when she was doing her um her grad thesis Mm -hmm. um and I always remember going as a kid there Um, my dad would always take me there because he'd help out as a oh yeah as a adjunct curator and it was always a place that I liked. Um, and I was asking around and trying to fill a way that I could start teaching a class through the Burke museum. And this position came up and I've been ever so grateful to get paid and create a platform for undergraduate students to just be in the Burke museum at all times. Um, and museums are a place where, you know, natives were expected to be extinct they Mm -hmm. were all our stuffs behind glass and it's hard to, you know, interact with it. So having native students in that Burke at, you know, once a week for four hours, every Friday, that's already rewriting narratives right there. Mm -hmm. You know, guests can see that native students are interacting and learning and creating their own futures just by using the Burke as a tool. Um, So it's not the end all, but it's just a tool to, catalyze their experiences and I'm so grateful to lead that work yeah that's really awesome hopefully on Native Stories we'll be able to get more people who are doing the same types of work that you're doing Um, I think that would be awesome for our listeners to kind of you know plant that seed and you know think about what are the museums in their lands that they can really start to go to and see what the collections are there that they can revisit their ancestors. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It's just get out there, you know, and discover more. Um, Never stop learning. Yes. And it's, it's crazy because I feel like the more you become exposed or just open up yourself to opportunities, like the more you're, ancestors just kind of place themselves in different spaces that you never thought you would be or they would be oh yeah no definitely it's like it's like riding a roller coaster of flexibility i always say you always got to be ready for something new um and you always got to be you know ready to you know take those risks and learn from it because there's a lot of people you know looking up to you um and especially as a champ for change, it's just carrying yourself in that positive way for everybody else. Yes, I agree. I was just speaking with one of my friends about how, um, you know, like if you reflect on our ancestors and how like Native peoples and Indigenous peoples are even here today, it's because our ancestors were very resilient and courageous to even, mm-hmm. you know, 
take the risks, do the things that they needed to do to survive. So I think like I love doing Native stories because it's just an amazing way to get our truths and stories out there. And it's told by directly by us. <laughs> yeah. What's what's been one of your favorite stories to work on? But what's a podcast that or reaching out that has really changed you? Um what I would say we did a Mauna series. So in Hawaii, the Wine Kingdom, there's a con like a very crazy project that's happening. Oh, Mauna, Mauna Kea. Yeah, Mauna Kea. It's yeah. um, with the 30 meter telescope. Recently, though, um, we kind of just decided that uh, we're not going to hold space any anymore because of COVID 19. So mm-hmm. we actually left um, the plat platform or like the bottom section called Pu'uhulu Hulu um, until this kind of settles down. Uh, but which is kind of like a win for us because our people can relax like the elders that have been holding space over there in resistance of this building and all the community and the Lahui nation can rest a little bit before we start again, because there it's definitely been a fight. Um, Uh But so I was blessed enough to go over there and hold space and um, in resistance to, you know, the colonial efforts, which is the fake state of Hawaii and, government and um really capture different stories up there of various individuals who are working in multiple capacities to really educate and amplify our voices as native peoples to our own peoples and to other people who don't know what's going on um yeah so that was definitely life-changing i stayed up there for two weeks and there's no wa- running water up there, so it was like an ex- it was really like roughing it. I mean, I've capped before, but never like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like amazing. Um, well, yeah. My hands go up to everything that you've guys done, and uh, we we see it over here on the mainland, and it's it's I don't know, it's just it's it's that feeling of all my relations. You know, that we have that same shared energy between Indigenous people. Yes. And we're feeling it just right between you guys, too. Um, and we're we're always here to support you guys. And always amazed at what you guys get up to over there. Vice um, versa. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm so thankful for, like, even social platforms and things like podcasts and stuff. Because it makes, yeah. like, our Native and Indigenous worlds, like, more closer. Even though it's, like we may be thousands of miles apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So living in two different places, like how has that informed your identity? I don't know. Can you just talk about that? Cause I think that's really interesting. Definitely. It's, you know, we're always as indigenous people, we're always living in two identities, whether that's like urban setting, you know, and then our like traditional side. And then from living in Seattle, it's kind of that too, you know, like living in a huge city, going to like a city school, and then every summer coming up to Ketchikan um, and kind of relaxing. It's, it was a way that I was always able to, you know, stay on my toes. Um, 
I never felt too, you know, complacent. You know, I was always ready to, always ready to move and always ready to get stuff done because I was in a new place. Um, and Seattle taught me a lot about, you know, city skills and how to interact with people and, you know, how to move yourself through a school system that's, you know, marginalizing to people of color mm-hmm. um, and how to really stick yourself out and, you know, be the person that your community is proud of. And coming up to Ketchikan was kind of, how do I learn how to fish? You know, how do I, how do I learn how to smoke fish and how do I be connected to be connected to the land? Um, and I've learned that a lot from my mom, who's non-native, but an Alaskan, that's, you know, that's essential skills, you know? Um, and it's kind of put me in this weird identity where I'm, you know, Coast Salish from Washington, but um, I align with a lot of like Northwest Coast, like Alaskan communities um, and friends with everybody up here. So I just I normally just call myself as a coastal person. I got to be by the water anytime. Mm-hmm. That's that's the native I am. I can if, as as long as I'm by the water, I'm all good. Um, and I don't know, canoe culture is really big, and and that's kind of where I started, just with canoe journey and always being in the canoe. So I'm able to do that down in Seattle and also up here, um, and that's kind of the bridge that connects them, and that's the bridge that has helped me, you know, find friends from Ketchikan and Seattle. I have never been to Alaska or Washington, so I'd be, uh-huh. I'm like so interested after like interviewing you and yeah, like meeting other people from Washington because they like uh this past couple months when I was in Washington, um, one of my cohort members is from Alaska, but I yeah. believe she goes to school in Washington and she was like, there's tons of people from Alaska that go to Washington. And I was like, really? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'm talking about uh, Washington state. So not Washington, DC. So no, yeah. Yeah. Washington state. state. Yeah. Yeah. She goes Washington um, state. Yeah. Oh yeah. She, um, what's, uh, Helen. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, but she said she there's does. like a lot of people from Alaska that go there. And I was like, yeah, that's like, I don't know. I would never have thought that, you know, there's a lot of intermingling there. I guess it's kind of normal. Yeah. Well, Alaskan winters get pretty brutal. So it's nice to be a kind of a calmer climate. Oh, okay. Oh, I get it. But now it's perfect. You know, it's the sun comes up at about six o'clock and it's starting to go down at about eight. Mm-hmm. So we got light for a long time, even on April 1st as recording this. And it's it's awesome. I love it. Um, You spoke about your family and how um, they're educators and artists and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Could you share with us how maybe growing up with educators has been and um, how that's helped you to do the work that you do? Yeah. Um, let's see. Come from a long line of educators on my dad's side. My grandmother and grandfather were educators. Um, 
My grandfather was the head of Indian education for Washington State. Um, my dad was an educator at the University of Washington. And then on my mom's side, uh, my grandmother was an educator, school teacher. Um, and it's, you know, culminated into what do I have to give? Um, and that's mainly been, you know, indigenous education and how to, how to empower indigenous people into sharing their stuff too. Um, but it's also increasing the visibility and mm -hmm. working with non-natives to be like, wow, this is something that we can all work together on, mm -hmm. but we need to privilege the indigenous voice first. You know, if we're talking with natives, let them talk first, you know, let them hold the space that they normally don't have. Um, so I think my family's really taught me that in the way that it's, it's a hard fight, you know, like working in the indigenous, you know, sphere, but it's so worth it, you know, to connect with these type of people and being on podcasts and talking to you and being a champ for change, you know, it's hard work, but in the end it pays off because you're, you're, gaining this momentum and you're, you're really seeing it play out. Um, so that's what education's about to me is that momentum and that further knowledge that everybody needs because everyone's learning all the time and it's amazing. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because, um, as a native learning my identity, um, from being indoctrinated by America um, in my own nation, in the Hawaiian Kingdom, um, and unlearning all of these, you know, colonial systems. Um, I feel that when I do meet people who are not Native, they kind of feel, like, a little weird. And it's not that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm against, you know, I'm against people who are not Natives. Like, like I love yeah. everyone, but it's it it there is like a certain nuance as um, native and indigenous people since we do walk in these realms that you know we need to yeah be cognizant of how uh, inclusive we are and how to uh -huh. really you know help our allies and people who are just learning about these new things that they didn't even learn about ever. So yeah. I think well, that's I think really it, important work too. Yeah. I think it's just, we don't have to explain ourselves. You know, we finally get that time off when working with other indigenous people and people of color is that we don't have to explain ourselves. And mm -hmm. it's why I help build that, you know, indigenous research family at the Burke is because the students could come in every week and they don't have to explain themselves if they're not feeling good if it's too emotional for them to be in this space, they don't have to say anything, you know, mm -hmm. they can, cause I know, I know, you know, the, the traumas that come with, you know, institutions like museums mm -hmm. and universities, but a lot of people don't get that, you know, uh, non-natives. So I hold that space, but I also open that space to be flexible. And it, I think really helps those students out because they feel included and they feel like it is a space for them. Yes. Yes, and 
ancestral trauma is so real and sometimes like you don't even know what's going on so that's awesome that you recognize that I mean in when you like in your job capacity and in life because you know because people are walking through life doing things and yeah like being courageous and taking risks but sometimes they just don't know how to deal with it mentally and that's okay because there'll be space for that but you know sometimes we as fellow like people going through it like need to recognize that people are going through stuff they may not understand Mm -hmm. no definitely and it's we don't again we don't have to explain that and we Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to explain that um and the strong ones that are able to you know that's amazing and that's something that you know we can educate more people on but it should never be you know you should never have to explain that though Mm -hmm. um so how can people get involved, let's say if, you know, they live in Washington State and they want to visit the museum or, like, look at these archives or, um, you know, go to, in the same path as you to kind of work in the collections or, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, definitely just reach out um, and, you know, go to the Burke. It's we do free um, free first Thursdays of the month. So every Thursday, um, every first Thursday, it's free. Um, and we do tons of events and bring Indigenous people and tribes together. Um, the Burke Museum actually has one of the first um, Indigenous-run um, restaurants. It's called Off the Res. And it's a place where they sell fry bread just out of kind of a brick and mortar um shop and they sell fry bread and traditional like bison stew and it's it's pretty popular um so we're trying to create this space um but always you know reach out and just you know you can find me on facebook um or instagram and it's just you know ask those questions don't be afraid to take those risks and put yourself in those you know places um because I, you know, people aren't going to deny you, but they might shoot you to other, you know, opportunities. Um, and just, just get out there, you know, and don't be afraid to do it. I agree with that. Just asking questions can like really open up different avenues that you'd never think would be yeah. possible. Um, so. Wrapping it up, do you have any last thoughts or any other messages that you'd want to share with our listeners? I would just say, you know, think about the land you're on. I've been doing a lot of reflections with that. And a great website is nativelands.ca. You can find your the caretakers of your land online. Um, so reflect on that. and also. Reflect on how, you know, indigenous futures benefit everybody, natives and non-natives. Think about how you can indigenize spaces, not just for natives, but for everybody. Um, Because bringing that art and that language into a place is so beneficiary to everybody. And just for everyone to know your presence. Um, So just keep up the great work and keep going. 
because you're everyone's amazing out there and it's amazing to see all this work you know across all the social medias um and it's i don't know just don't be afraid <laughs> <laughs> well mahalo nui for sharing your story with us here at native stories um if you all want to further get connected with us, please do follow us on Facebook. You can search Native Stories uh, for all of our daily updates or Native Kind mail or stuff. Please download our mobile app and listen to us on all streaming podcast outlets. Just search Native Stories and make sure to share with us uh, to your ohana, your lovers, your friends, your grandma, your grandpa, whoever you like. Um, Native Stories prides ourselves in being your resource and the more you share, the more um, knowledge that can be shared with the world. So sending you all lots of aloha and stay healthy at this time and mahalo for tuning in. Peace.